Amen. You may be seated. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. It's been uh, been a good week. It's been busy, and uh, I know many of you have been kind of out and about. And so, as you're going and doing those things, I want you to think about a new series that we are moving into. It's in the Book of Proverbs. So, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn. Proverbs, uh, the very beginning. Uh, we are starting at the beginning of wisdom. So, <clears throat> starting at the beginning of wisdom, it would make sense to start at the beginning of Proverbs. Um, so, we'll be in Proverbs one. 1 through 7. And uh, maybe if you have taken a look at the book of Proverbs before and um, you kind of thought, well, that's just sort of a collection of sayings, I'm not sure I really need that, um, then hopefully the next uh, seven, eight weeks will be uh, refreshing to you, taking a look at this book in a new way. Um, But what I wanted to do was just give you kind of a little introduction video um, to the book and kind of helping us focus on a word we'll be looking at a lot, wisdom. So go ahead and take a look at the screens, and uh, we'll be right back. Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Well, there you go. If you're new to the book of Proverbs, we'll be focusing here again for the next several weeks, and we just um, titled this The Wise Way. So if there was a way to live and operate uh, in life and everything that we do, um, this would be the way that we want to do it, especially as believers. And so um, this beginning of wisdom, or chokmah, um, really starts with this attitude of um, fear or reverence towards God. Um, and so uh, when I was going through this and just looking through the first several verses of Proverbs and trying to understand this, um, this phrase kept popping into my mind, and you may know it, um, all you have to fear is fear itself. And if you don't know where that came from, it came from the 1933 inaugural address of Franklin D. Roosevelt, the 32nd president of the United States. And this is one of the excerpts um, out of that uh, address. He said, So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. And so I wanted to adjust that just a little bit. Most people who are aware of history are aware of that statement and um, where it came from. 
But today I want to look at the only thing we should fear is God himself. And that really kind of sets us up to make um, better and good choices in this life, wise choices for that matter. Before I forget, if you're with us online, then welcome. Uh, my name is Michael and I'm the pastor here. And so I want to get into this. How do we, you know, how do we be wise? Um, I think there's this, um, there's this view of worldly wisdom and there's this view of godly wisdom. And I really believe if we take a look at a godly wisdom, it should impact all the other areas of our life. So as the world looks at us, they'll go, that person is following close to Jesus, but um, they're also good in these other areas. They're great at their job. They're wise in this space. Um, and so it should follow the people who know and love God and have reverence or fear for Him more than anything else. Um, wisdom will follow in other areas of life, right? So we not only are an example of being solid believers, um, but we should also be an example to the rest of the world of how wisdom works out in every area of life, okay? Um, so let's go ahead and jump into it. The first fill in the blank is uh, to receive. Um, and so this beginning of wisdom, this idea of, uh, well, if we, we think about that phrase and then we kind of turn that into more of the only thing we should fear is God himself, nothing else that happens, although it might be frightening at times, focusing and fixating on God being the source of our um, fear and reverence will help us. So um, to receive. Uh, maybe some of you have uh, already been thinking about Christmas. Um, as the time soon approaches, uh, there will be, you know, the Amazon packages or wherever you get stuff um, stacking up as you try to get things ready for that special day. And there's been that whole debate, is it better to receive or to give? Well, we know it's better to give, but um, for the sake of this passage today, we're going to look at to receive first, okay? So the first verse here says, the proverb of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. If you want to know where these, uh, this piece of wisdom literature came from, most of it came from Solomon, and there's a very specific reason for this. Um, Solomon, he was, the text says he was a king over Israel. He came after David, his father. Um, so two really successful guys when it came to leading the nation, but Solomon arguably would have been uh, more successful just from the perspective of accumulation, of wealth, of uh, building the kingdom up and of wisdom. This is what he was known for because God gave it to him. Uh, and so maybe you're like, well, how did that happen? How did he get all that wisdom? Uh, we're going to turn to 1 Kings 3 and take a look. So you can turn there if you'd like to, but I'm going to read part of 1 Kings 3, verses 3 through 15, because um, this really kind of sets the stage for us. How did Solomon get to this place of being very wise? And so in verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 3, it says, Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father. And this is really kind of the key, and this is the beginning of where he starts his journey of wisdom. Um, he doesn't forsake the past. He doesn't forsake God. In fact, he goes right to God. And the text says about him, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. And so, you know, the truth is we really can't get to this place of wisdom without first starting at loving and fearing and having reverence for God, the God of the universe. If we think we're God, then that doesn't work. We are not wise. If we think that something else in our life is God, uh, maybe that's um, a spouse. That is who we worship. Um, that is who is God to us. Maybe it's um, our possessions or our power or our wealth in life, whatever we can accumulate. If that's God to us, then we won't be wise when it comes to the things of God. And so you fast forward here, you get to verse 5 in First Kings chapter 3. And it um, gives us a location and what takes place. It says that Gibeon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. 
We already know that Solomon loves God, and he's following in the same statutes as his father David. And then we see here there's this dream that takes place, and so he, God asks him this question. This happens all throughout the Bible. Um, so dreams and visions and God communicating directly and angels communicating. But um, here we see that he says, it says that God said to Solomon, ask what I shall give you. And in that situation, I can imagine we would maybe ask for a lot of different things. Maybe we would ask for um, a conversation with a loved one who's already passed, who maybe we didn't get to say what we wanted to say. Uh, maybe you would ask for um, unending wealth. And I'm sure maybe behind that ask would be, well, so I can bless the church, um, so I can bless other people, right? Uh, maybe you would ask for no health issues for your whole life. Um, and really, I think it's, it, it comes down to what, what's our experience? What have we struggled with? What would we ask most for? And Solomon, um, in some ways, you could almost compare it to the you know, story of like a, a, a guy rubbing a, a lamp and going, what's, here's your three wishes. Well, um, it doesn't exactly take place like that. God just asks him, what shall I give you? You go down to verse 9. <clears throat> it says, give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. So with his one ask, we don't see if he, we're going to give you three. Uh, with his one ask, he says, give your servant therefore understanding and understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. And he says, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Solomon starts with love and with humility um, towards God in reverence of him. He knows he's the only one who can supply this. Um, he's a king and kings at that time because of what the position they inherit um, most of them were not humble. In fact, even in Israel's history, most of the kings were not good kings. There were very few good kings. And Solomon, one of the great kings, one of the greatest, he asks for this from God. Would you give me wisdom so that I might lead your people? Most of us probably would have used that one wish for something else. But Solomon uses it here for wisdom so that he might discern good and evil, so he might lead the people well. And then in verse 10, it says, It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. So he could have asked anything. And this specific ask pleased the Lord. <clears throat> you go jump down to verse 12. It says, Behold, I give you wise, a wise and discerning mind. And you jump to 13. It says, I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor. So these things came too because Solomon pleased God with what he asked for. He didn't ask for riches and honor. He asked for wisdom to lead the people for an understanding mind. And then in 15, it says, And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. So he's humble. He loves the Lord. He asks for an understanding mind for wisdom. And when God gives it to him, God says, I'm so pleased that you just asked for wisdom to lead my people, that I'm going to give you even more. And he does that. And what is Solomon's response? He goes home and he worships God, right? I mean, what, what a great guy. What a great response to this. And this is really where we come to this place where we, we start Proverbs. And um, Solomon starts writing down the wisdom from God. People from all over the world were coming to him asking questions, and <clears throat> while he's doing that, while he's leading the nation and answering all these questions, people need advice on a variety of topics, um, he, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes down these words for us, 
in Proverbs. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then he says this in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. And this word here for wisdom is chokmah. It's, um, again, you, in the video, uh, it's this idea of um, really kind of this overarching wisdom throughout all areas of life. Many people think when they read the Proverbs and you know, thinking about this wise way, they're like, well, there's a way to be wise when it comes to being a Christian. You know, I come to church. Um, I love God. I mean, I do those things. Some of the things that even Solomon said about Solomon, he loved God. And those are good things, but, but this wisdom is accessible to us that's far more reaching than this, right? It starts with loving God, but, but what areas does it touch in our lives? Well, if you look in the um, Old Testament Hebrew, the word for chokmah uh, means to be skilled in a variety of ways, and it's specifically this wisdom that comes from God. It can be applied to uh, war, administration, wisdom in finance, uh, prudence in religious affairs, uh, wisdom in ethics as well. And so this is kind of overreaching. Some people think that, well, you go to church, you're wise when it comes to <clears throat> knowing God and the Lord, and that should be true of us, but, but then it should also touch a lot of other spaces of our lives. People should look and go, you know, that person is really doing well. They're taking care of these things. They seem like a good manager, and these things should follow for somebody who follows Jesus because he gives us access to it. Uh, many times we think, oh, well, I don't know where to get that. Well, um, there's some words from James here. Uh, James chapter 1, 5 through 8, I would like to read to you about wisdom. Uh, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose they will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So when God came to Solomon and he said, what shall I give you? Um, did Solomon say, well, you know, God, if you have time, you know, if you feel like it, if you're capable, I know it's a big ask and you may not, you may not even want to do it. You may not, well, are you capable of it? That's not what Solomon said. If you look at the account there, he, he knows that God is capable of this. He knows he can supply this and that's why he asked for it. God, would you give me understanding and even right now, we can ask for that, for wisdom and discernment. There may be something that is um, causing you a great deal of anxiety or difficulty, uh, or you just don't know what to do. And, and, and I, I always just have to go back to the Scripture, and um, as many times we just go, well, it'd be easier if I didn't have the answer. If I don't know what to do here, then I don't have to talk about it. I don't, I don't have to address it. I, I don't want to think about it. But life is full of diff- difficult decisions, isn't it? Um, and we need wisdom for that. And James says really clearly here, if you lack it, ask and expect that God will give it. As believers, he gives us direct access to him. Uh, we don't have to wonder, where is it going to come from? Am I going to see it you know, um, in the clouds? And God might communicate that to you in that way, maybe on a billboard or something, that's fine. Uh, but God communicates with us directly and through his word. Uh, and then in verse 3, it says, to receive instruction in wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity. So again, this, this um, really covers all spaces of life. As Solomon's going to address wisdom, godly wisdom, he's going to go, if you ask, if you understand, if you're seeking the Lord, if you love him, then he's going to supply this to you. He gives us this ability to, if you look throughout the Proverbs, you'll see the, um, in comparison, and we'll see this towards the end of this passage, um, the fool, uh, the sluggard, the one who is lazy, um, does not have access to wisdom because they 
not only are lazy in one area of life, but normally all areas of life, or a lot of areas. And so they say, well, I don't really feel like asking for wisdom, or I don't really feel like asking God to make that hard choice or to be wise, because why? Because it takes effort, right? And so is it easier sometimes to just go, uh, if I don't ask, I don't know, and therefore I'm not responsible. But as believers, we are responsible, right? And we have people who've come before us, guys like Solomon, who love the Lord and said, when God said, what shall I give you? Give me an understanding mind. And isn't that cool now that we don't, we go, where is this going to come from? He's given it to us. He, he just, I just encourage you just to either listen to or read through the book of Proverbs while we're going through the series um, a few times, if you'd like. Um, and you'd be amazed to see the things that God reveals to you every time. Because life changes, right? As we move further along, there's going to be these things that we encounter that maybe we didn't have the answer to before. And go, you know, I just need to read through Proverbs again. And you might find that you might get the answer to whatever decision you are trying to make. Uh, so that's the first film blank, to receive. Um, but then there's to give, right? Um, some people would say, well, I love to <clears throat> receive a gift. But what about giving? Uh, well, it's good to give as well. And so God actually makes us a part of this. In, in everything that um, Solomon's going to say here, we see this throughout the book of Proverbs. He's going to be giving advice to a specific group of people, um, his kids, and even more specific to that, his sons. Um, he, he knows that his sons will lead the nation. One of them is going to become king, and that's another story that doesn't go as well as it should have um, with his son Rehoboam, who takes over, uh, but he, he wants to set them up with the best possible trajectory, right? And so this is good, right? We want to receive wisdom and instruction from the Lord, but we want to pass that on. Um, there's going to be a day we won't be here anymore, right? And so I'm even <clears throat> talking to Alon about that right now, and I'm like, there's a reason I'm saying some of the things I'm saying right now, because one day I won't be here, and you have to make good choices on your own. You have to be wise on your own. And where does this come from? Well, it all comes from God, all right? So it's a good reminder. It shouldn't be a sad thing for us just to, here's the truth, here is wisdom, and this doesn't come from us, all right? So um, to give, right? We need to be a part of this, like Solomon was, passing down wisdom and instruction, we receive it from the Lord. And it says in verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Um, so this word here for prudence, it's very similar to wisdom. Uh, so wisdom is hokmah, and then you have prudence, which is ormah. Um, and it's kind of, the, it's only used five times in the Old Testament. It's this word for like um, shrewdness or craftiness. Um, and you hear craftiness kind of like, oh, that kind of sounds bad or negative. It's really not. Um, so <clears throat> again, Solomon is saying, is saying hey, there's this wisdom, there's this instruction, there's this knowledge that's being passed down, um, which, which we need to impart to the next generation, right? Uh, somebody said something, I don't, I don't know who it was, I should know, but um, we're, we're only one generation away from godlessness, right? You've probably heard that before. Um, so it's important, right? It's important that we, we not only read the word, we hear instruction, we uh, are encouraged in wisdom and knowledge, but that we pass that down. And so Solomon says, to give it, to give prudence and, and to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Um, this is used a few different places. Again, so prudence in uh, Proverbs 8, 5, it says, O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Proverbs eight twelve. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. What about the word here for simple? So we've got um, to give prudence to the simple. Who, who does prudence need to be given to, right? Um, I, uh, I continually need to grow in wisdom and knowledge. But I remember a time where I was far less 
wise and far less knowledgeable, and I made uh, far more bad choices, um, specifically when I was younger, and I needed that. I needed prudence. Who are those who need prudence? Well, to the simple, the pithe in the, uh, in the Old Testament Hebrew um, just means the simple or the naive. Now, this does, I have people hear this and they're like, oh, simple, those people are stupid, right? Or those people don't know anything. No, this is just the, they're unaware, right? And so, you know, we think about this when it comes to like little kids, right? Maybe not as much of our um, young adults who are in the room who are learning and growing in wisdom. I know they're like, yes, you know, I, I haven't arrived yet, but I know more than I did, right? So we should be in this constant phase, but there are those who are simple too. Psalm nineteen seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise, the simple. Um, so we need this. There was at one point we were simple, right? Um, hopefully most of us in the room are not simple anymore, but uh, maybe we, we're still growing, right? We should be. Um, but part of what we should be doing is going, okay, who, who, who am I connected to? Who is simple? Who does not know the Lord and who knows the Lord but, are, but is maybe in this stage of more infancy in their walk with God? And I can go here. How, how can I be a part of giving prudence to the simple, giving knowledge and wisdom and discernment. So it's not this negative thing. I know as we read it in the text, I'm like, oh, those people, man, they don't know anything. No, God's given us a specific call for each one of us to pour out this, to give it. And Solomon certainly did. So even Jesus talked about this um, when he was sending his disciples out. What did he say they needed? Well, in Matthew chapter 10, 16, he says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of of wolves. Remember, we talked about this um, in First and Second Timothy. Um, so, what does he say? So, sheep in the midst of wolves. So, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So, <clears throat> God is not just sending us out into the world to say, "Be simple, um, be naive, uh, don't know what you're doing, don't do things well, walk into bad situations, and go." I didn't know that was going to happen. No, uh, Jesus says, "Hey, you guys are getting sent out." And you're going into a place that is difficult, that's dangerous, that is trying to destroy you every single day. And he's going, don't walk out there and act like, you know, you don't know what you're doing or like you don't have access to wisdom. No, he's saying you need to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves, right? So it's kind of another way of, of putting this phrase like be in the world, but not of it. How do we live in a world filled with terrible things going on? How do we live in a, a world that's constantly trying to get at us, constantly trying to go, yeah, I know, you know, the Bible, God, Christianity, that's good, but maybe something else, trying to pull us away from the Lord. And he says, no, be wise as serpents. It can be difficult sometimes to, to, to give or to have this perspective, like, well, if I give wisdom and knowledge, then that's going to make, you know, my kids or the people around me aware of, like, just, you know, how difficult maybe things are in comparison with the wisdom of God. Um, <clears throat> there was a movie that came out uh, several years ago um, called The Giver, and um, it was about this utopian society where uh, nobody really knew how bad things were, how they were, and, you know, it passed in history, war, um, violence, but what they did was they, in probably several of those type of books or movies you've seen, they medicated everybody out of that perspective. They said, take your pill every day or your injection, and then you don't have to be aware of the negative things. And there was this one person in that community called the giver. And uh, over a period of time, of course, you know, as one got older, there would be this new giver that would come up. And the movie was about this young man who was chosen to be 
the next giver. And it was not a role that um, people thought, oh, hey, that's an honorable role. And it was, but he didn't realize the magnitude of understanding like reality and uh, the pain of life and, and war and difficulty and to be wise. Because sometimes when wisdom comes to, we're painfully aware of just how difficult the world is, right? Of how in comparison with evil, Wisdom and goodness from God is like that much better, but it makes us that much more aware of the difficulty, right? Um, so sometimes we would just go, well, if I don't tell my kids that, you know, about wisdom or about good things, then maybe they'll just be less aware of the bad things, right? And that's not a good justification either. It's like we wouldn't say when the ball goes out into the street, we wouldn't yell at our kids, don't run after it, right? Don't, don't go after that ball. You might grab them and they'd be like, oh, you hurt me. Well, it's better than what could happen to you right? So sometimes to give, right, it can be painful, can it? It can be painful to go, here's what the wise thing is to do, and here's how we make good decisions, right? Sometimes it can be difficult. But we need to be a part of this, right? To not just shield, but to make aware so we can make good choices. And then in verse 5, it says, let the wise hear an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, right? So um, we don't just stop, okay? We talk about this a lot, but he says, let the wise hear and increase in learning and the one who understands obtain guidance, right? So it's not just enough to go, well, I read that book, so I must know everything there is to know about it. No, uh, increase and grow, right? And the one who understands obtain guidance, right? So again, this is the opposite of the person who, um, what Proverbs would say would be the lazy person or the glutton. That person is not going to eat. They're not going to have money at the end of the day to take care of their family. They're not going to, you know. So Solomon's saying, hey, let's be wise in a lot of spaces. And, and when you think you've learned something, to the one who understands, you need to obtain more guidance, right? It never stops. <clears throat> then in verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So we can be wise in the world's eyes, right? Someone can be good at business. Um, they can be good in regards to maybe their job, um, be decent at it, be ethical. But when this happens outside of understanding God's nature and his character wrapped up in wisdom, what is it worth? If you continue to read through Proverbs and you go through the book of Ecclesiastes as well, as um, Solomon ages in his life, he realizes there's a lot of things that don't matter, right? There are a lot of things that we fixate on that we go, well, I do this well, or I'm wise in this space, and the world looks at me and they go, man, that person has got it together. But outside of knowing God, what is that worth? Well, Solomon would say it's meaningless, right? So you can continue, you can read on that in the book of Ecclesiastes. But here's the second fill, or the third fill in the blank. So we've got to receive to give, maybe. The debate's still out on that, which is better. But we should be a part of both, right? We receive God's instruction. We give that out, um, hopefully to those in our immediate families. And then we come to this place of um, to fear. And this is the last one. So I want to try to redefine this, um, hopefully, because when we hear this, and especially in the English, we just hear like fear and we're like, you know, we get this picture of, you know, like, oh, yeah, God's like somehow shackled us with fear. Like we can't do any of the fun things because we fear God. So, you know. A wonderful life we will get to have. Um, and so we don't really think about what this means um, when the people were reading this, when they were understanding it in the Old Testament. Um, in the Hebrew, they would have, I think, understood it a little bit differently than we do in our, our English, in our Western context. So um, think about it like this. Would you rather be the person who, like in the picture, has reverence towards God, 
loves God like Solomon did, um, seeks him out daily and asks for that instruction. Help me, let me receive wisdom so that I might give that wisdom uh, back out, so that I might encourage those who are under my care, um, that I might uh, instruct not in a, uh, in a way that would be proud, but in a way that would continue to be humble. Um, so it's not about being bound, right? It's not about going like, if I, you know, I, got, I better fear God because, you know, uh, he's, he's going to, you know, blow me up if I do something bad, you know, um, it's not the right perspective, right? It's kind of more like, uh, I think the world perceives this fear of God when they see it or they hear it as, um, like God is this Zeus-like character and he just waits. He sits uh, in the clouds and he's waiting to throw his lightning bolt at us. Um, and, you know, and destroy us or make us feel really terribly about ourselves, um, that is not who God is, right? He's not a God of bondage. He's not a God of, of shackles. He's not, he's not trying to go, you better fear me or else, right? No, he's, he's going, have reverence for who you should have reverence for. God, creator of the universe, right? This should be something for us as believers that just comes by second nature. And it is not this kind of weird view of the world that goes, well, if I don't fear God, then things are going to go bad or I'm not going to have, you know, am I going to have any fun, right? If I really fear God, then I guess that means, you know, life is over. Well, let's take a look at this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So this word here for fear is yare in the Old Testament Hebrew, and it just means to respect or have reverence or piety of an individual or of someone. And um, it's in Psalm 5-7 as well. It says, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. So the question is, what do we really fear? Um, You know, it's easy to hear this and go, yes, instruction and wisdom, I want that. God, you know, I love you. Um, I want to impart that to others as a, as a good believer. Um, I want to be um, successful in these other spaces of life. I want to be wise. I want to make good choices. And many times that does follow. If you continue reading through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he'll put this caveat on that, that, hey, you can do everything right and still bad things are going to happen, right? That's part of life. But here's what we can do to be the most wise. Here's what we can do to set ourselves up for the best trajectory on knowing God more deeply. But this word here for fear, right, we don't really understand it well in, in our context. We think of fear and <clears throat> it turns into, um, you know, maybe weird pictures in our minds because of what's all around us, the media and, and struggle and difficulty in the world. Um, it's more about, you know, power and like, um, you know, lording that over us. Well, God is going like, hey, already God of the universe, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to convince you of that, but, but here's what Solomon says. We should already know this, and this fear should be automatic for us. It should be reverence of who God is. It's like um, we can experience this uh, when I think about uh, every morning um, when I get up and um, we're, uh, I take Alana to school, and um, one of the things we always pray about is just, you know, we look to the left because we're going to school. Um, we look over there and we see the sun rising. And what do we? All, one of the things I always remind her to pray for, or just thank God for. Thank you for another beautiful day that you've made for us. Um, and that puts us in this perspective of awe, of reverence towards God. It's not about going like another sunset. Oh my goodness! Like think about the ways that God could destroy us with his, you know, this flaming ball of gas in the sky. No, we're going like, man, God is awesome, right? He's um, beautiful. We should be. Um, in awe of who he is, but we we misconstrue this idea of fear. There are um, things we fear, but not necessarily the Lord. So uh, Solomon says here, hey, the fear of Yahweh 
the reverence or respect of the Lord. Um, and who is he talking about, the Lord here? Well, he uses a specific word for Lord. There's a lot of different names for God throughout the Bible. Um, really cool if you kind of go through like a study of the names of God. Uh, but the word he uses here is uh, Jehovah. And it's the word used when God's people were talking about the one true God. There were a lot of other gods. There were a lot of other idols. There were a lot of other things that people were like, you know, scared of or worried about or like praying to this one God of rain, like we need the harvest, so we need you to make this happen. No, there's one God. And so Solomon points the people's attention and and God gives him these words, who should we fear? Who should we have reverence for? The one true God. And this is the beginning of knowledge. Like, this is the place that we should start. And if we don't have this down, like, we can't become wise. We can't be knowledgeable in the things of God. We have to start at having reverence towards God. If we fear something else, or if we make something else God in our lives, then, then we will continue to be unwise. And then there's this comparison here that the text makes. So um, we've we got to be reverent towards God. Not the person who's cowering in the corner waiting for God to do something else that's going to you know, terrify us, but, but the, the God, person who expects God to be awesome all the time, who expects him to be amazing. And we have reverence towards him in that way. So it's the beginning of knowledge. This is where we start. Solomon says, you, you, if you can't get this down, then you, you're not going to get anything else right, right. You're going to make some attempts. It might seem like sort of right, but if you don't have reverence for God, then nothing else will make sense. <clears throat> And so what does he say? Well, in comparison, there are these other individuals. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you don't get this, here's where you will end up. Maybe this is where you find yourself today. Hopefully not. Um, fools, um, the word evel in the uh, Hebrew, um, it means uh, basically just this person who, uh, of one who despises wisdom. And here's one of the couple of things they do. Uh, of one who mocks when guilty, like doing wrong and making fun of it or like laughing about it. It's a joke. It's not a joke. Wrongdoing is not. So this is one of those characteristics uh, of one who is quarrelsome, always looking for a fight, always trying to create dissension instead of creating peace and unity. Uh, and then one who is licentious. I'm just kind of always thinking about that destructive nature. What can I do to mess things up or make things worse or get things you know better for myself? Uh, so fools, what do they do? They despise they hold in contempt is this word in the Hebrew. Uh, what are they holding contempt? What's the, it's what we've been talking about the whole time. Wisdom. Chokmah. And it says here, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So they, they despise what? Uh, the chokmah. But what else do they despise? Uh, it says here, the instruction, which is discipline or correction. Um, and we see so much of this right now, don't we? You know, we know, okay, we, we want to receive wisdom. So hopefully for most of us in the room, like that's our perspective. Um, we we want to also be a part of giving that out, of giving instruction, of raising up that next generation. Uh, but then when it comes to fear, how do, we, how do we define that? How do we understand it? Uh, we need to fear the Lord. We need to have reverence towards him. And this is the beginning because where do, where do you find yourself? Where are you going to land if you don't have reverence for God? And if you, you're like, I don't know, what does that look like? walk out the door, and it won't take you very long, right? We walk out of this place, and we're, and we're just like, I wonder where I can find foolish behavior. It's everywhere, right? And, and this is why Solomon is going, hey, you need to pay careful attention to how to become wise. And it's actually not as difficult as we make it. And people are scrambling around, trying to be wise, trying to make good choices, trying to make good business deals, trying to be good at their work or whatever else. 
um, you are involved in, they're involved in. People want to be wise. They don't know it. Um, they want to be wise in the Lord. They want to have um, uh, reverence towards the Lord, but many times it turns into foolish behavior because they're not willing to go, God is God and I am not, right? If we could just say that, that God is God and I am not, then Solomon says, hey, you're doing pretty well if that's where you can start. But those who say, I have no need of correction, I have no need of discipline, I have no need of wisdom. In fact, it's foolishness to them. And what does that make them? Solomon will continue to say it throughout the Proverbs. But things are going to go bad for the sluggard. They're going to go bad for the person who is foolish, who by their very definition, by their very nature says, I reject fear of God. I reject reverence towards God. Well, maybe um, for some of you, you're going, well, you know, yeah, that's good. And I've heard this before, but how does it change our lives? Well, I want to go back to the quote at the beginning of the message because we've got this, to receive, to give. Many of us have heard this before, to understand or redefine like reverence towards God in our lives, which really sets us up for success when it comes to our relationship with God and growth in the future of wisdom. Um, When I was reading this quote, I was like, I wonder what was going on when Franklin D. Roosevelt, like he got inaugurated. You know, it's always a great time in a nation's history. Um, But at this particular time, things were actually not very good. And there was a reason that he said this. Um, and so I'll read the quote to you again. He said, so first of all, let me assert, assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. When he took office, 13 million people were jobless. And it was not like now. It's not like, let's create this package. Let's do this thing and let's make things better um, financially or create jobs. Uh, 13 million didn't have, people did not have jobs and it was not going to get better any sooner. And so he's saying, hey, look, what, what are you going to fear? Maybe some things that are really going on, some serious fears. Um, <clears throat> he, through his presidency, would also lose the use of his legs. So it wasn't just like there were these outward things that were going on. He's like, I know things are bad, but, but what are we really going to fear, All right? Fear itself, maybe, hopefully not, because what is it going to do? It's going to paralyze us. And coming to the end of the time that he was leading, if you remember 1941, what happened? Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, right? So that was a really bad deal. And um, all this time, he's like going like, <laughs> yeah, he could have gone like, it's time to give up, right? The, the end is here. Um, he didn't do that. And, all, and good leaders throughout history have said similar things like this. When things are difficult, Hey, let's not fear what's going on, right? You know, we're going to get through this. But what did Solomon say? He, he didn't go like, hey, you know, we can do this thing. We can pick ourselves up. You know, we're wise. We're strong. You know, we're, we're Americans, right? No, he said, what should we fear? Well, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, is reverence towards God. And that is the thing that sustains us, not anything else in life. You can't put anything else in that category. I'll have reverence for uh, my job. Um, or for my money, or for my spouse, or for my position, or for whatever else in life that comes our way that we think is good, that we can bolster ourselves up on, it doesn't work, right? So where does wisdom come from? The fear of the Lord. And I'm not saying there's other things that aren't going to come up in our lives that are like fearful, right? That are difficult from a worldly perspective. But Solomon's going, no matter all those things, whatever takes place, here's the key to being wise and navigating life 
that we might have reverence for the one true God, not any other God that comes up, not anything else that we think we can put in that place, right? So how do we, how do we be a part of this? Well, we want to receive, want to give, and we want to have reverence towards God. That's where it starts. Um, I'll give away the ending in eight weeks. We'll be in the book of Ecclesiastes. That's where it ends also, is reverence towards God. How do we make good choices? How do we follow God? How are we faithful in this life? Um, not that dif- difficulty won't come, but how do we do that well? We have reverence towards God. We put him in the right place, okay? Uh, maybe you're here today, though, and you're like, well, you know what? I have, uh, I have never done that. Um, I have never uh, put my faith and trust in a God who is greater than all these other things going on in my life. So how do we do that? Well, we admit we're sinners. Everybody makes mistakes, right? The good news is that Jesus sent, and God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. The Bible tells us that if we would believe that, we'd be safe, right? So we have direct access to this. We talked about this. James says, hey, if you don't have wisdom, ask for it. God will give it to you. But it starts with what Solomon said. said, The text said about Solomon in 1 Kings, he loved God. The question is, do you? Have you put your faith and trust in him? And have you confessed with your mouth, he's the Lord of your life? Have you like acknowledged this out loud? You're just like, you know what? Maybe you're listening online. You're like, yeah, I mean, I believe in God. I want some access to that wisdom. But you're not willing to take that step of like truly having reverence for God and nothing else in your life is more important than him. So I'd encourage you to take that step. If that's you, um, then I'd be glad to talk to you. Reach out to us online um, or I'll be here afterwards too, right? Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we are thankful for your word, for your wisdom, for your instruction. God, help us to uh, be a part of um, communicating that to a world um, that's in need. Uh, God, we, um, we don't claim to have uh, the access to that. Um, that's not us. We don't possess uh, wisdom. It belongs to you. You give it to us. Um, help us to impart the wisdom that you give to us, to others. Um, to those who are coming up, a generation that um, when we're gone, um, God, that we could stand before you and we could say that they are wise, that those who came up after us became wise uh, because we were faithful to give that message of hope and of encouragement and of love for you. Um, God, there are so many other things in our lives that take our affections and our time and our resources. Um, God, I just pray that you would make us a people Um, who are reverent towards you, um, who fear you above all else. Um, God, take away from us the fear of man, um, the fear of of anything else, of an employer, um, of a system of belief, of uh, whatever it might be. God, I pray that we would fear you most of all, that that truly means for us as we know it, to have reverence and respect towards you, uh, that you are the most important thing in our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Love you, church. Have um, a wonderful Sunday. We'll give a few minutes to visit.